Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number one of the show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, we give them away, so do enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. So, to start things out here tonight, uh, let's talk about piracy, Mark. Now, Michael Moore's Sicko, not a movie I would recommend, not that I've seen it or anything, but I don't really need to see much more than what I've seen. I've seen one segment of it. It was a segment where Michael Moore is lauding socialism and then walks up and uh, touches himself in front of a statue of Karl Marx or whatever it was that he's doing. Anyway, he's obviously, we've always known he's a socialist, but now it's confirmed. Right, well, he went ahead and said it. Yeah. Or pretty much. Pretty much. And so I'm not recommending Zico, but I am going to use it as an example. Uh, This from CNET. Attorney Nancy Prager sees only thievery in file sharing. Don't even try to suggest anything otherwise to her. Director Michael Moore's Zico is coming off a glittering debut weekend at the box office. This despite the documentary's availability on the web for the past two weeks. Distributed uh, widely over the Internet by file sharers who violate copyright law. Now, Prager is a Washington, D.C.-based copyright attorney. And when she was asked, uh, she was asked whether those who downloaded the movie could have possibly helped ticket sales by spurring word-of-mouth sales. No, 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 no. Prager seethed. This is depressing. We're not seeing a rise in the peer-to-peer influence market. Anything positive they may bring is instantly canceled. These guys aren't just spreading their opinions. They're spreading the actual movies. Ever since Sicko first appeared on the web... Did she give any facts as to why that's not true? Wait, as to why what's not true? She denied that... that, People that were doing file sharing were helping the sales of the movie. That's right. She did deny that. And then gave no facts to back that up. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. She, she ba- said she basically, something about them being bad people. Right. She basically said uh, that it cancels it out. It. She says that because they're spreading the movies, in her words, that it negates the fact that they're talking about the movies as well. I see. So some people um, would get a positive uh, vibe about the movie by uh, hearing about it, but then some people would uh, just as likely um, get the positive vibe and not go see the movie because... That's her claim. Okay. That's what she would say. I, of course, would I, I just disagree. Want, I just want her, um, to uh, you know, argue properly, and I didn't hear that the first time. I guess. Many people have pointed out, and I think rightfully so, that a lot of um, people who engage in piracy, um, you know, over the younger set, they may not be able to, uh, they may not have ever gone out to, to see the movie anyway, um, and they may have been inspired to go see the film in theaters by being able to download it first, to sample it, if you will, to decide whether or not it was worth, I mean, these days, movies aren't cheap. We just went and saw a matinee for $6.50, and that's here in little old Keene. Well, New York City, it's like 10 bucks. If she says that it cancels it out, then essentially what she's saying is that file sharing is innocuous. Hmm. If some people are spurred to go see the movie by, you know, seeing something on the Internet, and some people are, you know, decide not, wouldn't, would, go see, would not go see the movie because they've already seen it, that's an interesting point. That just says that file sharing is innocuous. Why are you wasting your time? And if that's what she's saying, then, um, I mean, that's interesting that she didn't really attack it even um, more vehemently. Maybe that's because she's seen the numbers and she knows she's wrong about it even being innocuous. Let's go on. Ever since Sicko appeared on the web, 
CNETnews.com has tracked the film's presence online and asked whether file sharing depresses ticket sales. Some of the file sharing community hold that pirates often stir interest on the web that migrates to the physical world in the form of ticket sales. Just think, for instance, Mark, um, I mean, when this movie broke on the Internet, that made news. Yeah, it did. Sicko got more news coverage because of the fact that the pirates had it in their hot little hands two weeks before the release date. If it was ever going to get any news coverage anyway. I well, mean, it would have. I mean, it's Michael Moore. The media likes to lavish him with uh, with coverage. Perhaps. But the response from Hollywood Studios is largely, we don't need thieves to help us market our films. Online piracy is apparently becoming a priority to Hollywood as the transferring of large digital files becomes less time-consuming and the quality of viewing improves, and that's going to continue. Already billions of dollars are lost to illegal file sharing every year, and the losses are certain to grow, according to the U.S. movie studios. So what can be learned from the sicko controversy? Well, it's believed that tens of thousands of copies of Moore's documentary about the healthcare industry were downloaded without authorization during the past two weeks. The movie's also gone up on YouTube and Google Video and was viewed across, uh, excuse me, was viewed by thousands before being removed. As the movie played on theater screens across this, uh, the country this weekend, the film returned to Google Video and was watched more than 2,000 times. Nonetheless, the movie opened in 441 theaters on Friday and earned an estimated $4.5 million for the weekend alone. It only was, got seen 2,000 times? Is that what you just said on Google Video? Uh, well, it was uploaded to Google Video and was watched more than 2,000 times after this weekend, and inevitably Google Video will remove the video. So it was watched right. that many times before Google got to it and plunk, uh, plucked it off the okay. site. There's 2,000. It's just nothing. No, it's nothing. But $4.5 million is nothing to shake a stick at, especially when it comes to a documentary. I would agree. Um, most documentaries would be happy to break into the millions, let alone make $4.5 million on their first weekend. But that doesn't really effectively put it into perspective, and they do it very well here in a moment. Now, $4.5 million was good enough for ninth place at the box office. Pixar's Ratatouille, uh, I'm not sure you pronounce that, yeah, was, I, 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 I've seen the ads, but I don't know how to pronounce it either. Was number one with an estimated $47.2 million haul. Now, what's encouraging for Sicko's producers, the Weinstein Company, is that while the movie opened on relatively few screens, there are 441 screens, it averaged $10,000, $10,204 per theater. Mm-hmm. According to the story in The Hollywood Reporter, the industry publication reported that only one other movie weekend uh, this weekend topped Sicko's per theater average, which was Ratatouille, or Ratatouille, mm-hmm. some French word, mm-hmm. with $11,987. So when you look at the per theater take, Sicko kicked some butt. Yeah, sure did. I mean... Now, Ratatouille uh, was opening in probably several thousand theaters. Right. Major release films uh, like that usually get two to 3,000 theaters on their initial release. And so for a, a little documentary to have that kind of money coming in is tremendous. And there's obviously no way to compare what it did in reality, to what it would have done in theory had the movie never leaked out to the Internet, we'll never know for sure. But I'd be interested to see like some comparisons between 
between let's let's just look at Michael Moore's movies, right? Let's look at Roger and Me. Let's look at uh, the other movies he's come out with, Bowling for mm-hmm. Columbine. Let's make sure that inflation is adjusted for, and then let's determine. You know, I mean, obviously he's been getting more popular over time, or at least that's a presumption I'm making. I don't know if it's obvious. But presumably, he's been getting a little bit more popular over time. I think those would be some interesting numbers to break down as well, because that seems like a tremendous amount of money for a documentary. I've seen documentaries uh, as far as their box office takes before. Nothing. They get nothing. Right. No one goes to see them. No one's interested in them. They might watch them on PBS later, but that's about as far as a documentary can hope to go, generally. Right. So if Moore's film has been harmed by file sharing, the damage is hard to find. File sharing, uh, according to the Electronic uh, Frontier Foundation, has been going on for years now, and yet the movie industry continues to see record profits and revenues. Clearly, file sharing is not killing the movie industry. Far from it. After a slump in 2005, Hollywood saw revenue grow 11% to $25.8 billion last year, according to the MPAA, which is their trade group. Could file sharing have played any kind of role in the growth? File sharers often argue they're among the first to tell friends about a good movie. They say this stimulates interest in people who don't share files. On the surface, at least, this is the kind of buzz building that movie marketers are trying to ignite. And I've admitted on the air before, Mark, it's not a movie, but Penn & Teller's BS. Mm-hmm. Great cable television show. I don't have cable. I'm not interested in having cable. I don't want satellite television. Right, some huge package. I don't need all those channels. I don't watch television. But I do watch BS. And I'm not going to wait a year and a half for the for the current season that's about to come out or the season that just came out to actually come out on DVD. I want to watch it when it comes out so I can talk about it and be excited about it. Talk about it on my radio show, for instance. I think it's pronounced Ratatouille. Ratatouille. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features on our site are completely free, so do enjoy those on us. And some of those features include the bulletin board system. We've got about 250,000 posts there. Uh, there are over 1,500 people interacting. Lots to talk about serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And pop quiz, what do Washington politics and libertarianism have in common? Answer, very little. The Prometheus Institute at readpi.com is looking to make a real impact in Washington. Not in 40 years, but right now. To find out what makes the Prometheus Institute different from all of the other flatwater political think tanks, visit readpi.com. That's readpi.com. Talking about sicko, well, not specifically sicko, but the general concept of file sharing. The article that I'm sharing from uh, ZDNet.com. It's a division of CNET is pointing out that the Michael Moore movie Sicko hit the web a full two weeks in advance of its actual uh, official release date. And the question is, and it has always been, is does the, inter- the does Internet piracy of movies and music contribute to detract or detract from or do nothing to the sales of tickets for those movies or the sales of albums? And. The amount of money that Sicko pulled in on its first weekend is tremendous for a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll continue analyzing that, but uh, we're going to the phones first here to talk 
to it is William in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live, William. William in Minnesota. Did he just hang up? So William's gone. Remarkably like he he's gone. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So now I think that uh, it it seems like when it comes to music, you can listen to the the song in its entirety and bring it along with you and do pretty much anything you would do with a song. Um, with one that you download illegally off the internet. Okay. Um, when it comes to movies that you get illegally off the internet, then you have to watch them. I, I guess at, at at the very most, uh, your full size computer screen. So you know the size of a small television. And, For most people, that's how they would do it. Yes. And you know, so it's not the it's not really the movie experience. I mean, did video sales? I mean, I guess some people probably just say, hey, I'll, I'll wait to catch it on video. But I, I don't know if those people would have gone to the movie theaters in the first place anyway. I don't know. You mean the downloaders? I'm just wondering. No, people, I'm just trying to figure out whether or, uh, or not downloaders are hurting the movie industry. And I don't think they hurt them as much because it's not the same experience. I can have exactly the same experience from stolen mu- or you know downloaded music, but I can't have the exact same spirit, um, experience in watching the movie. You're right about that. File sharers often argue they're among the first to tell friends about a good movie. They say it stimulates interest in people that don't share files. On the surface, it seems that this is the kind of buzz building that movie marketers are trying to ignite. In a May 2005 report on movie marketing by the London School of Economics and Political Science, researcher David Lane found the secret to stimulating ticket sales, quote, is less about the film itself than about the success of pre-publicity and word-of-mouth recommendations. Lane found that marketing techniques had changed in Hollywood in the past two decades, and that what mattered most was, quote, to get people talking about the film, creating pre-release interest, and then to sell tickets fast. When Moore's documentary surfaced on the web, it generated a host of news stories that served as free advertising. But there's no way to determine how many people learned about the movie from someone who downloaded a pirated copy. What doesn't help support the premise that file sharing helped give Sicko a shot in the arm was that the movie drew mostly older audiences, according to published reports. Most file sharers are thought to be of college age. Though, I mean, how can you tell? How, how can you know who file sharers are? Anybody can be a file sharer. When I was uh, younger and I was a teenager and sort of into you know into computers, computer geek kind of teenager, I knew of this guy who was in his 40s who was one of the main players in a piracy group. Hmm. <laughs> so he he broke you know the stereotype. The people that I know that uh, share movies online, the ones that I've ever talked to, have all been Mm -hmm. sort of college age. Okay. As Michael Moore, uh, or rather a Michael Moore film, is going to be in the headlines no matter what it's about, said Gary Stein, executive at Ammo Marketing and Advertising Firm. The newshounds were ready for a sicko story, and this one happened to be among the first to come out. You have to remember, these aren't people that wake up in the morning and say to themselves, how am I going to get people to see this movie? They get off on watching a movie for free. Okay, that may be the case um, when it comes to downloaders. He's talking about downloaders, not the journalists. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are a significant, there's a significant segment of them out there that are doing it to get a taste of the movie, to determine whether or not it's worth their while. How awful is it when you go to the movie theater, plunk down eight bucks, and then walk out disappointed? How bad is that? Nobody wants to throw their money down a hole. People want to be they want to be sure what they're getting is a quality product and sometimes you you can't tell by the trailers. Well, I would think that a lot of people um don't a lot of people that watch the movie online probably don't go to the movie theaters. They've already experienced they've already gotten some taste of it and it doesn't seem like they would would 
want to go to the movie theater. Some of them probably do, but probably not most of them. But I would think that they do create the buzz that gets other people to go. Well, right. If it's a good movie and they liked it, they're going to tell their friends. And the fact is, the movie da- the people that are involved in downloading are a very small segment of the potential movie-going population. Oh, yeah. Right now, that's true. Right now, it's true. Maybe that could change in the future. You're suggesting that as uh, as the internet gets faster and uh, file sizes, uh, you know, are easier to transfer over over uh, data, then it 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 might expand. You're saying it, it more people will engage in this practice. Yeah, I just don't know how to do it and uh, have no desire to learn. So there's it, it has to be easier to do. Right. Well, and and it does. And go- I would pay for a movie. Um, you know, likely pay for some movie to to see it online, some amount of money. So you know, likely somebody could make money by just putting them online by and selling them. Well, it does go back to you know the fact that you, as you pointed out, the movies that are released on the internet are not the same quality as the theater movies. Not just because it's not on a big screen, but because that it's difficult for the pirates to get their hands on what they call screeners in advance. Mm-hmm. A screener is a copy of the film that is sent out to reviewers. So they can watch the movie and and print their review and all that. And and the screeners tend to have identifying codes and marks on them, that sort of thing, Um, like a number at the bottom of the screen. So they can know who... Right. So they would be able to trace it. Mm -hmm. So you'll usually see those blurred out if they get their hands on a a screener copy of the film. I see. But usually they're recorded um, via cam method. They set up a camera, literally... On a tripod, in you know, or somebody holds it surreptitiously in the studio, or not the studio, but the uh, theater. the theater, and they record the film that way. And that inevitably is awful. I I'm mean, as sure far as quali- as far as quality is concerned, parts of the picture are cut off. It's just not I as can't imagine anybody really enjoying that. It's not as crisp and clean. You don't get surround sound. So um, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why it's better presented in the movie theater. And if you're a serious movie fan, then it's just unacceptable to watch. A pirated version of the film. Now, when it comes to DVD, then they can just take the DVD and rip a DVD quality copy of that. Then it's a different world. Then you're looking at more of like the music release situation mm-hmm. where they've got an exact replica of the finished product in their hands. But nonetheless, I mean, even the, the point is still the point still remains that even if the pirates could get an exact replica of the movie out as they do with the music, it still wouldn't necessarily um, take a hit on their on their earnings. Because there's something to be said about going and actually buying the DVD for yourself. There's something to be, there's something really tangible that people like about having that CD in their hands. Well, you can't say that album sales aren't down. 1-800-259-9231. What I can say is this is reality, and it's not going away anytime soon. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features on our site, we give them away. And those features include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to Shrine.Freetalklive.com. That's Shrine.Freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. 
Visit rlc.org and click Join Us Today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. 800-259-9231 to the phones, to the fun. Let's talk to Patrick in Alabama. You're on Free Talk Live, Patrick. Hey, guys. Hey, what's uh, on your mind? Well, uh, first a quick comment about movies. Uh, the last time I went out to a movie, uh, movies were eight seventy-five a piece. which if you take a date, you've paid more than you would for a DVD copy. Yeah, and that's if you don't buy popcorn and exactly. drinks and all the other stuff. Yeah, and I've been burned on some pretty rotten movies lately, so a lot of people are uh, using the web, I think, to sort of try before you buy. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah nothing worse than getting into and seeing a bad movie. It, it's it's really a frustrating experience. I know that it must be more difficult on Hollywood right now to, to, to put out better movies. People are becoming more discerning because they have just so many movies to choose from. Every old movie that was ever made, um, mm-hmm. they, can get their, uh, they can get their movies in a couple of days' time. They can download things off the Internet. I know that the public's more discerning, and that's got to be more difficult on Hollywood, but tough cookies. Yeah, I think you're right about that, Mark. I think they're upset because they're going to have to start putting out better product. Because if people start, if if this catches on and people start using the internet to sample their films, <laughs> then you know the real bad movies aren't going to even stand a chance. I mean, they already have a tough enough time um, turning a, a, a crapping movie into making any money whatsoever. Um, you're going to have to start putting out better product, and I think they're upset about that. I think that uh, you know they feel like their business model is being threatened, and it may very well be. But if you can't roll with the changes, then it, you're you're destined to uh, to choke. Right. That's that's something that they're not quite getting about this. Is business models do change, and there's right. nothing in this world that you can keep static, whether it's the ozone layer, layer or the movie industry. I'm Things sure th- are going to change. Don't you think that the farriers probably hated the idea of the automobile? That's yeah. a farrier, just in case you wonder, a farrier is a person who nails horseshoes on horses' hooves. Just keeping it in the same industry, I'm sure that the movie theaters are very upset about home theater. I bet they're outraged about the fact that uh, you know, people can go and they can buy a plasma screen or a DLP set or some sort of HDTV iteration for a grand Probably now. Probably doesn't, doesn't hurt. Uh, get, a, get a nice subwoofer and uh, speaker system and sound uh, processor in there for you know under a grand. You can have a nice little home theater set up for a couple thousand bucks. And then, I mean, then you're rivaling the theater. Yeah, it's not going to be as big of a screen, but it's pretty darn big. And you can sit closer to it. So you can effectively make it fill your vision as much as a movie screen does. And the, the sound is, comes darn close. If you're in a smallish room, a 10-inch a subwoofer can really knock the bass out. So, I mean, they, I'm sure they're very upset about that, too. But, hey, that's reality. And, yeah, and before, sure. I, before I go to a movie at all today, I'll check out reviews online and see what you know, real people have posted about it before you know, I go in and actually spend the money on it. But uh, what I really wanted to call about was a couple of weeks ago you guys were talking about legal tender and how uh, people are forced by law to take U.S. dollars as payment. Yes. You don't have to force them very much. Well, well, that's true, unless you're the government. Uh, it turns out I've had a couple of instances lately where the government refused to take cash, their what? own dollars. Yep. Why? Uh, well, the first one, uh, and maybe Mark would know about this, but I uh, went to go bail a friend out of jail and cash is not accepted. They don't accept really. cash, really? I don't, I don't know that. I That's unusual. I, I would think that would, that would differ by the county that you're in, because I'm pretty sure they take cash uh, down in Sarasota. I bailed someone out. Okay. Well, uh, they require money orders at, at two different counties, the two biggest counties in the state here. Um, and it turns out the other location wow. was I was down at the county courthouse trying to... Uh, I wonder, yeah, why they, hold on, I wonder why they don't accept uh, cash there. Do you think it's because the police are stealing it? <laughs> 
I, I, I'm just wondering. It's a what, valid concern. What could be the the what what could possibly be the the reason why they don't accept cash? I couldn't think of one except they like to make you jump through jump hoops, through hoops. and they want your family thinking. to wait an hour to pick you up while they go run around town buying money orders and coming back. Right, because uh, a lot of money order places aren't open at night, for instance, right. so you can't bail your your pal out at midnight. You have to wait till the next day, that sort of thing. So it gotcha. may be a control thing. You were going to say about the courthouse? Uh, yes, I went down to the courthouse to pay a filing fee, and it's one of these things where the uh, Secretary of State and the uh, the capital gets part of the fee, and the local uh, county government gets the other. And okay. uh, you have to write two separate checks. They're, they will not accept cash, which I thought was strange. Yeah, they well, I, I suppose you could say they aren't set up to take the cash. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think you're right, though. I think it's the uh, it's the hoops issue. Yeah, but you know, if anyone else tried to not allow cash, they would be <laughs> prosecuted. That's a good point. I doubt that they would be prosecuted. It's just, you know, they could likely, be. likely some, no one would bring the case. Uh, people want cash badly enough that most of them are prepared to take it. So. True. Well, that's true. Uh, also, I wanted to touch on immigration. You know, a couple of days ago, you had the, the really kind of virulent dog-eating... Yeah, we had, uh, as I described it, perhaps the most outrageous xenophobe of all time. Uh, I think that woman probably took that cake. Uh, Trish was her name, I believe. Trish, right. She thought that <laughs> she thought that immigrants were stealing people's dogs and eating them and uh, spreading leprosy. leprosy and living in a leper colony, which is, by the way, a uh, we didn't really trounce her on this one. But somebody had called in and made the leper colony point before, claiming there's a leper colony in Texas. It's totally untrue. There's no evidence of it whatsoever. Right. You know, these people take it's an anecdot- email. All this kind of anecdotal evidence, um, whether it comes off of emails, whether it comes off of these crackpot sites that they, um, mm-hmm. you know, frequent or whatever. These things just aren't true. Yep. So what was right. your point? Well, uh, right after she called in, there was a man who called in, I believe from West Virginia. Yeah. And he ha- he was sort of along the same lines as her, and he happened to, to just make a side comment that he was not born in West Virginia. He moved there, and, and you guys sort of didn't pick up on that, but that makes him an immigrant. Um, I think what he was trying to say was, uh, West Virginia is one of the poorer states in the nation, and he didn't want you to think he was some backwoods idiot that he yeah. he has reasons for hating immigrants. But uh, you know, the point is, he moved from some other state. I forgot where he was from. You know, California or the Northeast, and he moved to West Virginia. And yeah, but he, he would say he did it that, that point is completely line. lost on the anti-immigrant folks. As far as they're concerned, they have this, um, and and one guy called in and said it. They have this birthright. They were born Americans, and therefore they're born better. Somehow. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're an immigrant from New York uh, to Florida or whatever. All that's fine and dandy. They're allowed to move from well, one he place. he would claim he did it legally. And they're doing it illegally. And be sure to make it really loud as though he were typing it in all caps. Illegal! Did you ever notice that? Whenever you get an email about illegal immigrants, they always put the illegal in all caps because it makes it more important that way. Drawing your right. attention to it. Right. Well, isn't he being unfair to those who waited in their turn in line and filled out paperwork from another country that may have wanted to move to West Virginia? And he just jumped <laughs> right ahead of them and moved right there without having to fill out any hoops at all. He wouldn't see it that way, of course. But, no, Patrick, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Anything that favors them is obviously fair to them.
1-800-259-9231. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be able to travel from state to state. Please, you should be able to do that. But really, what's the difference between, how about this, what's the difference between moving from Virginia to West Virginia versus moving from uh, Laredo, Texas, across the border to whatever the heck's over in Mexico? What's the damn difference? It's just a line on a map. Yeah. Well, birthright, like Let's I said. talk to Johnson in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live. Johnson, it's on your mind. Hey, it was just interesting to hear you guys talking about the movie situation because I was just in a conversation about this the other day. How I'm a little irritated that the prices on the movies keep going up. The prices on the food in the movie theaters keeps going up. Could it go any yeah, higher? There is inflation. Well, oh yeah, I'm sure it's inflation that that's made their, them rise their prices by like over 200 percent in the past four or five years. It's housing's doubled. Housing's doubled in uh, the past several years. I don't think. Well, that you know, but the other thing that they're doing though is playing a half an hour of commercials before every movie and doing product placement in the movie. Let they're, me have you expound on that here in a moment. Hang on. They're not getting much money for those ads for the movies. I can tell you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the SACL CAI toll free line for you. That is uh, the number. You take control of the airwaves and this is your show it is free talk live this is free talk live it's your show and you can take control of the airwaves toll free at 1-800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll free line for you 800-259-9231 ian here with you Mark, join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features, we give them away. So enjoy those on us. And also, if you want to help voluntarily support the show, then we'd like you to go and shop at our store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. Lots of products. Free Talk Live branded merchandise. And we've even got some non-Free Talk Live branded merchandise, but an original design, the Free Marketeer logo. It's in, available in both a flag and a t-shirt format. And a lot of people think it's pretty spiffy, so uh, we're selling it. And our man Johnson designed it, who happens to be on the line right now. Johnson back uh, in Connecticut. And again, uh, store.freetalklive.com is the place to go. You're getting some of those products shipped out the door this week, aren't you, Johnson? Uh, actually, almost all of them are shipped out the door Excellent. already. So, That's good to know. Uh, and most people have their tracking numbers. If they uh, check that, check their email boxes. Um, you know, they should have their. Uh, st- they should know exactly where their stuff is. If it's, you know, at their door or on its way. Did you send just a quick uh, personal question? Did you send a tracking number uh, to Julia? Uh, no, I have not. Actually, okay. I have not shipped your stuff yet. Ah, okay. Where's our crap? We were your so stuff excited. is not out the door. We were so excited. We went to the mailbox today hoping to get our Free Talk Live merchandise, and it wasn't there. And it was very Yeah, I will, get it, I will get it out the door very, very soon. I'm right. uh, sort of getting everybody else squared away first. You know, the, the listeners are more important. That <laughs> is true. You're right. All right, so we were talking about movies, and uh, you, were, you were pointing out or griping that the, uh, the price of a movie ticket has doubled in the last five years. I don't know if that's true. I'd like to see some statistics on that. It seems like I it's... don't know if it's doubled. It's just it's gone up a whole lot, you know, in different areas of the country. And, and you know, if, I, if you start extending it out to 10, 20 years, then, it definitely, then you're definitely getting into it of doubling. I yeah, mean, I can yeah. remember when going to a movie was below $5. And I'm not that old, so <laughs> I can um, remember when a loaf of bread was a buck. Uh, but, but you know, it's almost double that now. So I yeah, but you're old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just messing yeah. with you. But um, you know, but they're also the other thing that they're doing is increasingly they're just making these obnoxiously long uh, segments of advertising before every movie, mm-hmm. and they're also putting product placement in movies. 
you know, you would think that that would offset costs, but I think, you know, Mark, you made a good point that they're not getting a lot of ad money for these ads. And my comment now, on wait, that wait, would wait, be... wait, 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 He meant, when he said that, he meant the, the movie theater isn't right, getting a right, lot of money. Right, the little projector ads that come right. before the movie. Now, the, you know? the, um, the movie theater is going to get uh, a little bit of cut. You know, the, the movie companies are going to send them these ads, and um, right. some of them, and they're going to get a cut of that. And then they're going to try to sell them to local businesses. You've got to mention that, that the major chains are somehow doing something like AMC, Lowe's, you know, stuff like that, Sony, that they're running a series of ads so they're selling them as a corporation you know as as sony theaters you know is selling a huge you know it's not just local i mean i'm sure there are local ads it's like radio i'm sure where you have your sort of uh i guess <laughs> your syndicate ads i mean i guess yeah. in that case it would be sony theaters and then each local theater has its own local right because there are well, ads sure. that come there are ads that come along with a film reel um that that are motion picture ads that are that's relatively new that's something that's developed within the last decade if right. not the last that's five or six years really disgusting. like the 15 second starbucks ad or the 15 second coca-cola ad or whatever that comes right before the previews and I think really ultimately what's going to happen, I really think that this is going to, that they're going to screw themselves out of the business because home theaters are getting better and better. But then the other thing is, is I think that, and I would love to see this happen. I think theater, there needs to be some theater owners that start to pay the costs to bring back certain old movies mm -hmm. and to bring back the experience movie. In other words, uh, movies where I think of stuff like um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but also just the idea of drive-in theaters, the idea of a movie that is an experience, I think needs to come back. And I think that there are plenty of cult classics where that would actually or could actually be a popular activity again well, if we've it certainly were allowed to happen. I think it's a cool idea. We've certainly seen a handful of movies sort of remastered and re-released, like the uh, the star the original three Star Wars movies. Those were fairly successful, as I understand it, when they were re-released. Um, there have been a handful of other ones that have done that, but not very many. You're right about. I that. mean, immediately I can just pull out movies. I think people would go out to see movies like the Godfather movies, the Star Wars movies, stuff like old horror flicks. Like like the reanimator or evil dead you know people would go see stuff like that i mean mm -hmm. even you know older documentaries and things like that I, I just know that there would be an audience for it it's just can they can you license an old movie like that you know or is the government going to get involved in stop theaters on this you know what's the what's the well, sort of that, repercussions would to, that would seem to be up to the movie company and maybe they don't want to license those movies cuz they'd compete with their existing films maybe they're con maybe they're concerned about that I don't know. You would think you would think movie theater owners would have approached them on on that sort of thing. I don't know. You know, I, I really don't know what the deal is with that, or how you know how they charge for that, or or what the deal is. If any movie theater owners are out there listening, I'd love to know. It would be uh, you know yeah. that'd be something that'd be great. I mean, what has happened to the drive-in theaters? Why have they all died? Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that, uh, and I can understand it. Um, Drive-ins are a wash if it's not d dark enough. Um, you can't make money at any other time during the day. Uh, if it right. rains, you're screwed. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. You, there are uh, some concrete reasons why drive-ins lost to the. But major they used to work. Why don't they work anymore? You know what well, happened? Because there was less. Used to be because there was less to do back then. Right, and air conditioning <laughs> and indoors is nice, uh, plumbing, that sort of thing. It's 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 just more convenient to go to a movie theater than it is a drive-in. Drive-ins are like a novelty now, more so than anything right. else. Yeah, I do think product placement is uh, clearly product placement's working for um, in both television and movies. And I think uh, kudos to uh, General Motors for getting on the uh, the Transformers, Transformers train. Right, man. 
Transformers was a, a, a blockbuster. I mean, it just did great, and GM owned the whole thing. I didn't see one car in that whole movie that wasn't a GM product, whether you it was the, have. the old uh, Chevy or the... Uh, on, a, on a personal note, Ian, let me ask, how, how did you like Transformers? I thought it was good. Um, I, I just I, saw Live Free or Die the other night. I, I had the choice between Transformers, and I saw that Live Free or Die Hard had yeah. a... Uh, a much better uh, rating so far, so I chose to see that, and it was quite good. I caught Live Free or Die last week. It was it was very good. Um, not my favorite Die Hard, but it, uh, in the top three Die Hards for me. Uh, but which was better, Transformer or Live Free or Die Hard? Oh man, they're both different kinds of movies. I like them both. I, I would say I like Transformers maybe a little bit better. Mm. But then again, I like I'm a Transformers fool. too, and I'm not a Transformers fan. Right. I, I yeah, and you're old. a Transformers fan, so that's really good because you know that that's one of those things where it could have been just. Really bad because you're a well, fanboy of Transformers. You I'm know, not a, like, I, I wouldn't qualify myself as a fanboy, but I do like the original generation ones, and I knew. What this did wasn't you gonna... just sell on eBay? My uh, my Transformer collection. Yeah, how many were there? Eighty nine of them. Eighty nine of them. Yeah. Okay. Which, by but the way, the person the person that bought it is trying to uh, it has escalated the the sale to PayPal because a couple of them came in, I guess, broken, and they didn't uh, the, I didn't know they were broken or they broke during transit or something like that. And they're demanding four hundred dollars back from me uh, because what? because a handful of them uh, and <clears throat> a fraction of them ended up broken. And so I offered to uh, I offered to make good because I said, okay, well, eleven of them showed up broken. I had eighty nine. That's you know twelve percent. I'll give you twelve percent back off the uh, the price of the sale. He said that's not good enough and the guy's like a professional dealer so you know I, I made it very clear i said this was a child's collection he says these are in poor condition i said they're not in poor condition they're in pretty good condition considering they were mine when i was a kid and so basically my uh, my thousand bucks is on hold at paypal until they resolve the dispute yeah i read your i think you'll be all right i read your description on there that you said that you pretty much said that they're as is you were very clear that it was a child's collection yeah i would certainly hope that you'd be all right on that just because it was pretty clear as to what they were. You had photos. I mean, right. so that go- guy's just He's a jerk. A jerk. Uh, so going into the uh, the movie Transformers, I totally understood this is not going to be a Generation 1 Transformers movie. They had to redesign the robots, and so I, was go- I wasn't going in as a hater or a fanboy or anything like that. I, I heard they still see- kept the voice, though, of Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime's voice was the same. Uh, they changed Megatron's voice, but you, I mean, uh, Hugo Weaving did a fine job with the voices. One of my, com- my critiques would be that there wasn't enough screen time for the Decepticons. In fact, there was barely enough uh, conversation with the Autobots. It was really a movie about the humans more so than anything else, and the Transformers were sort of the monsters uh, in in the movie. And, of course, there was the the Autobots are the good guys. But um, there were too many humans, in my opinion, and uh, there was a lot of military worship going on as well, which Michael Bay, that's just a Michael Bay thing. He just loves to lavish, you know, military hardware with slow-motion shots. They had to spend more time on humans in this one so that they can afford to spend more time on the uh, Transformers in the next movie. Yes, I think you're right about that. Those effects were expensive. No, I I think you're absolutely right about that, and I think that in the second movie we're probably going to see more interactions with the Decepticons. I'm predicting probably something like you know the Empire Strikes Back sort of thing because one of the Decepticons made it out alive. Basically, this I'm not going to. I wasn't going to spoil it for anybody, Mark. Anyway, that's ruining the movie. I don't know. Some people don't want to know these things in advance. You have to be careful. I'm, yeah, I like I didn't hear that. So <laughs> right. Yeah, go see it. It's a lot of fun. Um, that was good. It, it's a it's a funny it's a funny movie. They've got some good humor in it. Um, one of the government guys gets urinated on by uh, one of the transformers. That's fun, and or oiled or whatever you want to call it. 
and uh, and the action's good, and uh, it's a great time. Thanks for the call, Johnson. We appreciate it. Hour two is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want as we roll into hour number two of the program. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features, we give them away. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. To the phones, to the fun. To start things out, Ryan in Texas on the amplifier line. Hey, Ryan. Hey, guys. Uh, Yeah, we're talking last hour about the uh, excuse me movie downloads things like that yes and i have seen quotes where people in the movie industry have said no business model we've even looked at would work you know with allowing people to download movies i've never noticed one model even discussed though imagine this there's all there's product placement like crazy, like y'all were saying GM with uh, transformers. I mean, Reese's they even Reese's turned NET. they they even turned a Mountain Dew machine into a transformer in this movie. <laughs> well, <here's, laughs> imagine just imagine product placement in movies left and right. People will deal with it if the movie's good. Yeah, I I didn't and a movie really. House, I didn't really feel like it was overdone. Uh, I had read I'd read a lot of reviews of Transformers before I went to see it because I like to know what other people think. Um, and uh, some people complained about excessive product placement, and I didn't really feel. I mean, Mark, you knew that they were GM vehicles, obviously. But I beyond was, that, I was excited about the GM vehicles. I think that uh, GM's got a great lineup right now, and uh, the only American car company that I think has more more exciting lineup, and they always do, is Dodge. Uh, but but I didn't notice the camera lingering on product logos for any excessive period of time or or anything cheesy about the product placement. I didn't know. No, I I, okay. I I didn't even catch the Mountain Dew thing. I know they turned a Mountain Dew um, dispenser into a <laughs> robot, but I never thought, oh, that's product placement. Right, right. Well, here's the thing. Imagine if that was the only revenue for the movie houses. Imagine if they offered them for download online or offered them for free to, to movie uh, theaters, mm-hmm. just with a little ticker. I mean, imagine, you can do this. I mean, you you know how many people download the podcast, don't you? Right. Yeah, imagine just charging those product placement providers by impression, by it's, download. It's an interesting idea. I don't see why that couldn't be possible. And, yeah, I don't think you know, they're... If it's I, offered, yeah. if it's offered for free... Online, there's no reason for someone to go, you know, around that system. Right. It saves them money on the distribution costs. That's Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. And the word of mouth. I mean, they, I mean, obviously they'd still have to promote the film to some extent, but word of mouth is far more effective than any amount of television well, advertising. And I never once saw a TV were, ad for Transformers. I watched the uh, the online trailers, and that got me very excited. No, they wouldn't need to run TV ads or anything like that. Mountain Dew and GM were running TV ads for the movie. That's true. It's a good point. Oh, and Dodge is owned by Daimler, which is German. So? <laughs> oh, I see. I that you're saying, but it's still marketed as an American automobile company. And they're uh, all multinationals all anyway. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. I think he's right. I don't think the, the movie industry has really 
they've really thought it through very well. And I think maybe that's because they aren't really feeling the pinch. Maybe they aren't really feeling the pinch and they're just sort of making a lot of noise about piracy because if they really were, you know, feeling, uh, taking a hit in the pocketbook, then they'd probably start getting kind of creative about how to distribute their films. Well, one thing's for sure is people think that the movie industry is what it's going, um, looks now, today, like it's going to look in 2050 years. And that's just simply not true. Nope. Look at the retail industry. Does the retail industry look like it did 50 years ago, years ago, it doesn't look anything like it. Mark, Who the hell was Sam Walton Wait a 50 minute. years ago? Speaking of Sam Walton, how is Walmart even staying in business with Amazon and all this internet competition? They still manage to do it, don't they? Absolutely. And you know, the thing is... is a bunch of crybabies in the movie industry. The companies that can change are going to change and roll with the punches, yep. and they're going to make a bunch of money in the process. The companies that cannot or will not, that refuse, petulantly refuse to uh, adapt to the market, will simply die. They may have some lawsuits uh, that they've, uh, you know, tossed out in the process, but they're going to die. Look at um look at C- look at the adv- uh, the advent of CGI in films, right? I mean, it started with basically Terminator 2 back in the early 1990s. Oh no. What about Aliens 3? That thing was awful. Do you remember that? Alien 3, I don't believe there was any CGI in it. There was the, there was that alien dog thing that was in it. I don't believe that was CGI. I think that was a puppet uh green screened. I don't think so. So okay. um I'm a, I'm a pretty big Aliens fan, Mark. I think I would know. Um, but Terminator 2, and Terminator 2 came out before Alien 3 anyway, so or right around the same time. So it started in the early 90s, and it was very, very expensive back then. Nowadays, it's taken for granted. Nowadays, if you come out with a movie, it's got some level of CGI in it. Sure, Transformers was some pretty groundbreaking CGI, but uh, two years from now, three years from now, Transformers doing the same level of CGI that they did in Transformers will be like nothing for these guys, and it won't cost as much. So it's because CGI is more prolific these days, it's something that more people can afford. I mean, look at what even the independent guys are doing now. I've seen some online movies, like fan movies, fan-made movies, Mm -hmm. that will blow you away. Go and look, if you like the Alien and Predator movies, go and look for Batman Dead End. It's, okay. it's a short film. It's maybe five, I haven't watched it in a long time, but you think it's going to be a Batman movie, and then he encounters uh, the, the aliens and the Predators. Mm. And these guys had real uh, professional-looking Predator suits and alien uh, outfits mm. and the quality of the production was very very good. Obviously, they were not licensed. It's one of those fan films where the, you know there's a disclaimer that says this is not licensed by. Blah, blah, blah. They're not trying to make a profit. They weren't. They're just releasing it for fun to show what they can do. But it was just amazing to see some of the things that they were able to do with a very small budget these days. And we all know that uh, that editing software and that sort of thing is in, was well within the reach of virtually anybody. And I think this is something else that's kind of upsetting to Hollywood is that. The industry itself, beyond piracy and all of that, is becoming – it's getting into the, the range of the average person. Mm. Not quite. You know, you still have to have several million dollars to make a real blockbuster, but nonetheless, production costs are coming down over time. And, and that's you, good. This fan fiction thing is, is sort of an advent of the Internet, from what I can tell. Um, I worked at a comic book store in the 80s, and – I never heard of anybody talking about fan fiction, and it was a comic book store, gaming store, magazine store, so pretty much anybody who was going to do fan fiction would have walked in. Mm -hmm. We sold science fiction books and every sort of... you know, thing like that. I don't even know how to to describe those sort of... uh, that, that, that genre. And if I would have... if fan fiction would have been happening, at least where I was, I would have heard about it, but... 
I've never heard anything about it. So, so I mean, the point is things are changing. Mm-hmm. It's it, movie making is getting well within the reach of the average person. Look at I mean, just as an awful, awful example of this. Look back in the late '90s, and this is almost a decade ago now. Look into the late '90s, the Blair Witch Project. Remember that terrible, terrible independent film? I, I thought the Blair Witch Project was genius. Did you? Yeah. Ugh, I thought it was terrible, but but enough people went out to watch it. I, I was scared during it, and I, I don't get scared during any movies. But the, po- the important point about the Blair Witch Project is that it was created for next to nothing. Yes. And it made a tremendous amount of money. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think anyone was going into that expecting CGI or anything really no. special or anything like that. But they went into it, and the, the, movie, the movie made money. It was probably the most profitable movie of all time. I think it may actually hold that designation. Simply because it didn't cost a lot, and it made a lot. Um, and, and it proved the fact that audiences are maybe not so discriminating. That it, it, the movie had enough hype, the movie had enough internet buzz, and just buzz in general, that people went out to see it regardless of the fact that it was a bunch of no-name actors running around in the, in the woods with a 16mm video, or a 16mm film camera. I mean, there was nothing, virtually no... Uh, money put into that film, but yet audiences across America were caught up in it. So it doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar blockbuster to catch people's interest. All it has to do is be interesting. Mm. That's all. has to tell a motivating story. So even if costs do come down and the studios are all upset that they can't make a movie for $100 million because movies won't make that much anymore, I mean, in this theoretical world where uh, th- that Ryan was talking about where the, the companies are paying for product placement and the moviegoers aren't actually paying anything anymore, you may not make $200 million a film, but that doesn't mean the business still isn't viable. It doesn't mean that you still can't make a profit Oh, I'm sure that people would be willing to pay for the movie experience, even if, um, even if all that went to the uh, movie theater. I I can't tell you what would happen, what's going to happen in the future, but I do know that the movie industry is going to change, yep. and the one and the movie companies that do not change will die. And good riddance to them. They'll be replaced by some original, uh, innovative, new companies that are bringing new ideas to the table, and that's a good thing. Change is good. Eight hundred two five nine. 9231, and it's also inevitable, so deal with it. 1-800-259-9231, this is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231, that is the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. That's one 800 259 You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Lots of features. It is all for free. Archives are there. An entire year's worth of the show. Front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Go and get them free at freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. Early, They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Let's go to the phones to the fun ladies first. Rowanna in Illinois, you're on Free Talk Live. Um, sorry, it's Roxana. Roxana. I thought it was Roxana, but he said he had you spell it and he didn't put an X in that name. So uh, my apologies, Roxana. That's okay. What's on your mind? Uh-huh. Well, I was just calling because I was hearing where your, your programs from yesterday, and one of the guys said that um, recommend a website from one of the guys who has traveled around the world and has been 
a really educated person. Yeah, did you actually bother going to that site? I didn't bother. I just wrote it off. Oh, no, I, I didn't, actually. I, I was listening today from the um, radio um, that you broadcast yesterday. I just was listening today, and I just wanted to uh, give you my opinion. And I think that is, uh, it's pretty sad that if this guy can think like that, because um, I have been traveling myself in Europe. I live in Japan for six months. And I backpacked for a year in Europe, and I can tell you that immigration there it seems to be fine when um, because you just need your passport as long as you live in the European uh, countries, you don't have to ask permission for work as you used to, and hmm. that hasn't been that really an issue. So I, I wonder why he said that the culture, mature culture, is uh, bring in U.S. something wrong. I'm sorry. Can you say that last part again? That um, I don't understand why this guy' opinion says that um, immigration is bad. Well, he's a racist, Roxana. Um, he is uh, the, the, the person you're talking about is somebody who will say whatever he can say to try to make you think he's not a racist. He'll come up with all kinds of excuses. Well, they're bringing leprosy. Oh, they're, bringing, they're ruining our culture. They're blah blah blah, blah, blah taking our jobs, etc. We've heard all the excuses. And when we break it down, when we when we deal with each objection one after the other, the only thing that can really be left is that they just don't like people with brown skin. Well, that's what it comes down or to. There's this cultural thing, this uh, sort of, they're going to ruin our culture, which... By polluting it with their brown skin. I mean, because the culture thing, which we've also decimated that argument, yeah. amongst all of the white people in America, there's thousands of different cultures. And I think you put it the uh, best. I just finished listening to the very same episode today, as a matter of fact. I, think, I thought you put it best, Mark, that you know, as far as culture is concerned, it's your individual decision what your culture is. Every individual decides for themselves what their culture is and who they want to associate with. There is no culture outside of your own mind. Roxana? Yeah, that's true. I just, I just, it's, for me, I'm an immigrant, right? So I'm from Mexico and people that, I don't know, I, I just see so sad how they express themselves about other people and there is no respect. And at the same time, no, um, I, I will, there is bad and good people in all over the world. I can sure. say that in, in France, they have a really great experience with people when I face people that it was really bad and rude too. But those, nevertheless, I want, I wouldn't say that all the people is, uh, um, I don't know, say a right. lot of bad things. Just because, you, just because you encounter a rude French waiter doesn't mean that all French people are rude. But Americans are so, I guess they're so subject to stereotyping that they, they constantly paint people that way. If you talk to the average American about Fran, uh, France, they'll spit on France. Uh, they don't like France. They think they're a bunch of cowards and all kinds of other stereotypes that have to do with France. And, you know, the same thing with uh, with the Mexicans. Just because one guy came over and maybe raped, you know, a handful of people came over and raped or murdered somebody, all of a sudden they get the ability to paint every single um, Hispanic person or Mexican with that same brush. And it's absolutely outrageous. And they don't bat an eye at it. To them, they're, you're all a bunch of criminals. And it's outrageous that they would suggest what that. What seems so ludicrous is, um, you know, white men middle-class people have murdered and raped um, sure. in this country. Does that mean that the callers, um, the, the guy calling, is, is then a rapist and a murderer? I or mean, more likely to be that way? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's absolutely absurd, and that's why we... I love it when these people call in, because they make themselves out to just be complete nut jobs. And, and it, you know, it's a great question, Roxana, as to why they are this
this way? I don't know. Maybe they were raised by racist families. Maybe they were taught by their daddies and mommies that if they are, if they're, your friends aren't white, uh, they're just not good enough. I don't, I don't know what it was like because I wasn't raised in a family like that. So I really can't comment on that. I'd be interested to hear from we've we've gotten some emails for in the past just a handful of them from people that have said they thought this way and then once they heard the message of liberty they thought differently but that tells me they weren't racist to begin with that just tells me they were misinformed so what is it like how does one get to the point of just hating someone for the color of their skin how does it, how does someone get to that point Roxana thank you for the call we really appreciate you listening and uh, I want more people like Roxana in this country she's awesome I, you know, I just want people to, to come to this country that want to work. Yeah. 800-259-9231. It, it really has to be... I This is my theory when it comes to racism. I think it has to be done on a family level. I think it has to be uh, indoctrinated in kids from, from an early age and consistently by a racist family, grandpa and father and that sort of thing, and mom. And uh, they have to just continually tell their kids lies. You know, the old bell curve, uh, BS, and all the other crap that they just make up about, oh, they commit more crimes and they do this and they do that. And just, indoct- just indoctrinating their kids, like parents indoctrinate their kids with religion, just indoctrinating them with hatred. Well, people, um, when cultures live in close proximity to each other, there's often certain amounts of enmity. You know, things come up, uh, you- Different cultural things. Like, say, uh, you know, poor Mexicans live in your neighborhood and they don't clean their lawn up. Well, you have to drive by every day and it irritates you. So people come up with these. Uh, so all of, Mexicans are dirty, therefore. Uh, you know, I'm just telling you what happens. I'm not right. saying why it's good or bad. Um, and It's you know, absurd is what it is. It's illogical and it's it's really just dumb. It's a, it's a lack of critical thinking. I've seen messy yards before and all I think is, gee, that guy's messy. I would never think to ascribe one man's messy yard to all of the people that share his skin color yeah. or all of the people that share the hospital he was born born in or whatever other random attribute you want to uh, to pull out. Well, you know, the um the thing that always gets me is I uh is the they're here to take our jobs thing mm-hmm. and it just for one largely the, uh, the the lowest of the uh, you know e- economic class uh, that, that's coming across the border they're not taking your jobs they're taking jobs um, of people that are you know uh, of you know, they're not taking any jobs they're picking fruit and they're right, washing those jobs dishes, are there and those they're just filling them and you know yeah are they on construction sites sure there's they're used as unskilled laborers some of those um, people Every, anybody can dig a hole right and some of them are skilled labor too. and some are skilled labor but probably not the illegals. You know, I don't I mean, know. Not not necessarily. You never know. But um, I I love it. I I love the idea of cheap labor coming to this country. It means products will become cheaper, which means my dollars will go further. I think that's the economic factor that a lot of these xenophobes don't stop to consider. They don't understand the benefits of having cheap labor in America. They just think, oh, it's going to drive our wages down. Well, if a bunch of wages get driven down, then the price of products goes down too. And so, what's the big deal? Well, those same people will buy the products from out of the country. More on the way. Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the show 
You take control toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features for free. Wiki included. WIKI.freetalklive.com gets you to it. You'll see over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you. It's the listener editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. Of course, it is for free. Did you know that 9 out of 10 lawsuits in the world are filed right here in the United States? Any number of lawsuits, court orders, or greedy bureaucrats could leave you and your family penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they're experts in sheltering your wealth. You'll see that KeepYourAssets.net can help you be protected against those that wish to take your assets. That's KeepYourAssets.net. We roll into the phone calls and talk to Robert in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Robert, what's on your mind? How's it going today? Great. What's up? Well, um, I have a a very uh, interesting uh, situation. I have the opportunity to um, sit down and talk with a CIA agent. Really? And uh, I don't know too much about what's going on. I just know uh, just a little bit. And uh, I know that they're not going to tell me exactly what I want to hear, but I, I'll know by their response if something's true or not. Okay. What was the circumstance uh, that you got to talk to the CIA agent? Were you being no, interrogated? No, 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 not yet. We'll get. Oh, you will? I'm sorry, I missed that point. Why will yes. you be going to talk to the CIA agent then? Because I know this person, and I didn't realize he was. How did you find out? Um, by somebody that um, goes to uh, a church of mine. Okay. So what are you going to do? Um, I don't know. That's the reason why I'm calling. Like, you know, what what are some questions, good questions I can ask them? I don't think you're going to get them answered. They, uh, you know, are you a real good friend with this person? Um, not too bad. I, I mean, as I understand it, the CIA is pretty darn secretive about their operations. I, I have no idea what you should ask, nor do I think you'll get an answer if you ask anything good. Mark, anything any about Bin Laden or 9/11? They should know about. I don't. I, I mean, it really doesn't matter to me. 9/11, Bin Laden, all of that. I. That's not an issue for me, so I don't spend my time thinking about those I'd things. I'd sure like to know where the hell he is and why they haven't put their hands on him yet. Well, how would a CIA agent know the answer to that, right? I don't know. If you're going to ask questions, you might as well ask him anything. Okay, well, there you go. What did, What were you thinking? Did, you must have an idea or two, right? Well, not really. I'm just... Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm uh, pretty ignorant when it comes to this kind of stuff, and I just figured that... That uh, a talk radio station like this, you know, could uh, give me a little uh, some pointers. Well, if I were talking with a CIA agent, I would, you know, ask him why he does what he does, um, why he thinks, you know, I'd maybe just sort of ask him about why he thinks it's okay to get his paycheck from coercion, um, things like that. You know, I wouldn't necessarily ask about things that may be classified. I would ask his opinion on his job and the government in general and the federal government. You know, maybe what would the CIA do if it found out? Here's one for you. What if what would the CIA do if it found out about the Free State Project? Or are you aware of the Free State Project? Uh, you know, these uh, libertarians all moving to the same state in order to throw off the shackles of, uh, of the government and free themselves as much as possible. I'd, I'd attack him from a uh, or attack the, approach the conversation from a freedom oriented perspective and just see what the guy thought. And of course, if I ever get a cop around me, um, I usually pull out the world's smallest political quiz. That might be fun to administer. See if the CIA agent is an authoritarian himself or maybe a, you know, a closet libertarian. Um, and of course, you can go and get the quiz at theadvocates.org. And whatever happens. Maybe you should call and let us know. Thanks for the call, Robert. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231 to Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Tom, what's on your mind? 
Uh, well, uh, first of all, I want to say that immigration is one of the places that does not take cash. What's and, that mean? Uh, well, that means when you go down to the immigrate, what was oh, then see. the Immigration and Naturalization Service, mm -hmm. and they extort all these fees from you mm. so that uh, they won't uh, handcuff you and force you onto a uh, an aircraft bound for a foreign country, then uh, they they extort all these fees in the form of checks or money orders and not cash. Hmm. Okay. And so uh, that uh, I'll never forget one morning when my wife and I were sitting around for a few hours there and uh, finally get called up to the window to get hassled and interrogated. And after that, they send us over to uh, pay the fees, and the sign says, closed for lunch. And <laughs> I mean, for $200, $200 worth of free money, these parasites didn't even have somebody covering for lunch. And you know why they get away with that? Because Them they can. No competition. Because, yeah, that's exactly right. The same thing as when you're bailing somebody out of jail there. And the other uh, point I want to make is that cash is legal tender when somebody has to pay some money, but not when you want to make a deal. Okay, they, really? uh, A movie theater can legally require payment of the admissions by money order only, and of course nobody would bother. Nobody would go to that mon that movie theater. Good point. Okay, but they, they can they can refuse to take cash. They can a lot of them refuse to take pennies. Just now, for example, Tom, I noticed and, you said and, you were married. Are you still? Oh yeah. Oh, that that's very interesting. Now, does your wife hold the same uh, political viewpoint that you do? Uh, she doesn't know, have much in the way of uh, political viewpoints. But uh, really? what I find amazing is people seem so amazed. That you know our our son is going into fourth grade, and you know like we fill out the the papers and stuff, and you know his mother and father still live together. Hmm. I guess it you is know, fairly I mean, unusual in, these days. In, in kindergarten, I mean, we're going in that mother and father still live together, and the kid is all in kindergarten. Well, I mean, like, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's how that, it is. A lot of people get divorced, and that's uh, certainly unfortunate. It's for a very un unfortunate thing, and what one of the things. Uh, I think uh, has got to be done is people need to learn more about how to get along with each other and when not to get together in the first place. Well, one thing's for sure, they don't teach that in school, and I agree with you, Tom. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I think a lot of people, they, um, and I understand this, a lot of people glom on to the first opportunity they get, and they sort of... Uh, for instance, Julia knows a girl at work right now that she's dating somebody who arguably isn't the best for her, um, but yet she's pretty excited about getting married and everything like that and going through the process and, and, and having kids. And uh, maybe, she's maybe she's making a big mistake. Maybe she's rushing a little bit too fast into it. Yeah, sometimes people... Um you know, just want it so badly that they're willing to overlook things they shouldn't have overlooked. Yeah. Um, let's continue with the calls. Talk to Mark in British Columbia. You're on Free Talk Live. Mark, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. Hey, what's up? How much? I just want to talk about Transformers and the piracy or so-called piracy that's out there nowadays. Sure. Um, I downloaded it and watched it last night. I'm still going to go watch it in the theaters. I'm still going to go buy the DVD probably because, you know, that action was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, uh, yeah. it was a pretty good movie. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. The only thing I've got a critique to say about it, and then I'll hang up and let you get to the next call, is um, the final fight uh, between Optimus and uh, Megatron. Mm -hmm. Just, why couldn't they show the fight? <laughs> if you know what I mean. They showed everything else but them fighting around. Yeah, I guess they didn't show that much of it. 
Yeah, maybe it was, was probably because of what Mark said earlier, and that you know maybe it just was a little bit too expensive. Maybe uh, maybe we'll see more of that in the second one. I hope so. They kind of. I won't. Well, they didn't show the Bumblebee fight either. Remember the the beginning of the movie? Bumblebee gets into a fight with one of the other Transformers, and uh, oh yeah, and then they had that little hacksaw fight with the other little thing there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then they, the camera followed the humans, and then you came back and you found out that Bumblebee won, obviously. And, uh, and of course, then the interesting thing was that Transformer came back later. The one that he, he, was supposed, he disabled, and he looked okay, and he was, and then he disappeared in the rest of the movie. There, there's one Transformer that, the, it's the cop, the cop car, car, that uh, you see in the scene where uh, the, the big construction sort of Transformer, I think his name is Bone Crusher, gets destroyed by Optimus Prime on the freeway. He oh, was following was right behind that Transformer. He was following right behind the other Decepticon, the cop car was, and you never saw the cop car after that. Hmm. And according to what I read online in the, I guess, the comic book adaptation of the movie, there are scenes in the comic book where Optimus Prime takes two of the Decepticons out. He takes them both out. So it makes you wonder, did they have to cut that scene out for budget requirements? They, maybe they just you know, couldn't afford to put it in, and they just figured they'd cut it to the floor and no one would remember it? Put well, it like in, a Bay makes a lot of extended cut releases for DVDs, so maybe we'll see that in a DVD That's later true. On. That's a good point. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. Mark, what were you going to say? I was just wondering if, um, if they cut it out, they still have paid for it to be um, produced. Well, they may have, I don't know. They may have cut it before it was produced. Yeah. I don't know. Because why would you pay all that money and then cut a scene like that? When, especially when it, cu- when it ties into the plot. Where'd that guy go? He disappeared for the rest of the movie. 1-800-259-9231. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. And we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by, for instance, shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You know Amazon, 41 categories to shop in, a huge selection of books and movies, and uh, let's see, they've got furniture, they've got office products, they've got a brand new grocery section, you can even get video downloads from Amazon. They've got it all. I mean, if you're looking to buy something, odds are good it's for sale there, and it's probably for sale cheaper than your local big box store. In fact, I believe they have a price matching thing, but I'm not positive on that. You should look into that yourself. Don't take my word on it. But nonetheless, Amazon, great place to shop. And when you shop through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, we get a percentage of your purchase. So it's even better. There's an even extra reason to shop there beyond the fact that it's convenient as hell and they've got a huge selection. Free Talk Live benefits whenever you enter through this portal. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. To the phones we go. It is Puke in New Hampshire on the amplifier line. Hey, Puke. Good evening, guys. Hey, what's happening? Well, I'm going to continue the Transformers hour here. Yes. Um, I also saw the film yesterday, and um, I just wanted to bring up the the fact that it, as a person that was in the military, um, whenever <laughs> I whenever I watch a film now that has military in it, um, it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, 
And this the Transformers film uh, had me laughing the entire time. Oh, Anytime it was, so, it was so cheesy. I mean, I'm not even a military guy, but like Mark leaned. Uh, you can certainly explain uh, what you're po- what you're going to point out here. But Mark leaned over to me at one point, and uh, it was a scene where they were analyzing this piece from one of the Transformers. What did you say, Mark? Right. It was funniest. I can't remember funny. that th- that particular one, but I do, re- do remember being just shocked at the idea of the military shot a drone into the uh, air to uh, recon an area inside of one minute. Yeah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that's a, a big peeve. Like the, you know, first of all, as an aviation buff, the um, the the Predator drones do not have jet engines, and they don't fly at like fifty feet off the deck. Um, mm. And it's just the movie was just ridiculous how quickly and competently the military responded you sure. know, to the to the threat. I just find that stuff hilarious. Well, you have to remember that the military the military won't hand out uh, the taxpayers' dollars unless the movie paints them in a very positive light. So they right. have to, in order to get all that hardware, they have to put in you know certain things the military wants to see in the movie. So Yeah, they it, have military liaisons that uh, yes. consult with the producers and stuff, yeah. And um, uh, another peeve is, uh, as a helicopter mechanic, I can't stand it in films when they show people talking at normal volume on a flying helicopter. Because <laughs> uh, that is not possible in any means whatsoever. Uh, so I, I just wanted to call in and comment on how how my perspective was when it comes to you know a film. Michael Bay couldn't create a realistic military movie if his life depended on it. <laughs> it it's funny, too, because they've good. got advisors. You'd think they'd make it a little bit more realistic, but no. That's not, not really so the much. point, though. Right. It's got to well, be exciting. It's got to be interesting, and I understand that. But the one scene I was pointing out that you leaned over to me during, Mark, mm-hmm. was, uh, was where they had this piece from one of the Transformers that they'd managed to blow off of it, and they were analyzing it. And it was the, right. it was the soldiers. Like, right. a sergeant was looking at this thing is well, it was a regenerative. It has a regenerative property, and it's you know, it's talking about the you know yeah. the possible materials it could be made out of. And I was thinking, and you're thinking, wait a minute, this guy's a sergeant in the military, and he knows things about uh, regenerative uh, armoring technologies. It seemed a little like, bit absurd. Like they were going to be able to keep a hold of this thing and have the the opportunity to look at it. Or whatever. <laughs> that would have been confiscated. Yeah, that- and- in months. reality, that guy would have been, you know, strapped into a seat sleeping because it would have been the first chance he'd gotten in days to take a nap. You know, yeah. likely. <laughs> That's just what I wanted to point out. Very good. Otherwise, how did you feel about the film? I thought it was pretty good. You know, I mean, it wasn't uh, wasn't a film that you go expecting plot and right. stuff like that. But it it had uh, really good uh, CGI and you know a lot of interesting action. And I think they did they did focus on the kid and his car a lot a lot more than they should have, I think. Well, I, I think, and it makes sense that they did that because, well, first of all, Steven Spielberg was involved, but secondly, you've got to make the movie for everybody in America, and as Mark pointed yeah. out, Mark is not a Transformers fan, mm-hmm. uh, but you were entertained by the film. I, if, I thought it was well worth seeing. If it had been all robots talking and that sort of thing, it might not have been as relatable, and so when you put humans in a movie like that, um, the movie has right. to be about the humans so other humans can relate to it better that aren't necessarily fans of the uh, towering metallic monsters. Right. They have to appeal to an overreaching audience in order to make their money back. I understand that. Right. I think we're going to see a lot more robot interaction in the second film, A, because the fans will be demanding it, and the fans had a lot to do with the, how this movie was shaped, as I understand yeah. it, um, and B, because while they've set, the t- you know, they've set the scene, people will know, the people that are coming to see the sequel will know um, who the Transformers are. And right. so they therefore- the exposition, and now... In the second film, they can get down to just two hours of fighting and you know, <laughs> cool imagery, right? One thing I liked was an Optimus Prime's uh, line, Liberty is the right of all sentient beings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was a good uh, one. Yeah. 
that was a pretty good line. Awesome. Uh, and I did like how they they kind of um, you know, uh, how do you say you know, kind of hit on the uh, the government guys. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, there were some but, yeah, shots. There was right. There were some shots that were taken at the government in general, like the secret special sector seven guys. Yeah, they were yeah. definitely made fun of, and especially where the guy said, "This is a badge, and it gives me the right to do whatever I want." That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but but there was definitely military worship at the same time. Yeah, so you can't have it that way. So. Yep, that's true. Puke. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the no review. Problem. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Well, hey, we'll talk about anything, movies or issues or whatever you want to talk about. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one to Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live, Frank. What's on your mind? Good evening. Uh, yeah, I had uh, a couple comments. One regarding the Blair Witch Project. Okay. I remember when that film came out. I guess around nineteen ninety nine. Yes. And the way Sony marketed was quite brilliant because the image was basically that a first-time student filmmaker is going out with a very limited budget of under, you know, $5,000 to make this film. But we find out that that whole thing was basically a creation of, uh, uh, you know, the media per se and, and Sony because actually the director had direct connections with the uh, – uh, Hollywood studios and things. But really? it worked really well, and the biggest audience for that film were all the students studying film and media and communications mm-hmm. who you know, were told by the professors to go out and see this. It represents a new aesthetic as well as uh, a very sloppily edited film. But the <laughs> point is, uh, it did represent sort of the little David slaying the Goliath for a few thousand dollars actually making, you know, uh, tons of money. But right. the fact that the film opened in so many theaters uh, with theatrical release prints, you know, goes to show really the money behind releasing the film. And even though it made a tremendous amount of money, you'll notice that the sequel to Blair Witch didn't. Because after the you know the story came out and people had seen it, you know they had experienced it and they weren't really interested in the sequel. But I believe the director who did the film actually has done a number of other films in Hollywood, really? which is interesting. But you have to realize too that selling a movie is marketing, and even with Absolutely. the proliferation of media technology and systems available, it's still the industry is still basically uh, 25 films a year with about 15 in general theatrical release as blockbusters when only maybe six of them will you know, generate mm-hmm. uh, 70% of the profits. Even with all of the filmmakers now that have gone to university and to film schools, uh, the number of Hollywood films or major films really hasn't increased much. So in a sense, I think the new technologies that you were alluding to, such as the Internet, will provide distribution uh, you know, for future films. And the economics of the film industry, because of bad media decisions, is similar to the economics of the music industry that has made several bad media decisions, and especially regarding the distribution of CDs and MP3s. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to see too now, uh, whereby you know, ten years ago the, move, the film industry was very strong financially. I think it's actually stronger now, but the reverse is true with popular music. And 
basically that's all I wanted to say about that. But I do have one question that maybe the young guy could ask the CIA agent. Okay, what's that? And the question is this. The 1947 and the 1949 CIA charter that all of the government uh, bureaucracies in the government, in order to get funding, have to have a published charter. The CIA's charter is still classified. How so, interesting. So we really don't know what the true purpose of the CIA is because the it's actual secret. charter that defines the... Uh, the mission uh, and the organization, organization and all that is classified. Wow, Frank, and thanks that would for the be call, a really We're out of time. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Hour 3 is coming up. By the way, he's wrong about the director of uh, Blair Witch. He's done virtually nothing since then. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And, of course, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That, again, freetalklive.com. Ladies, come first on Free Talk Live, so to the phones we go. It's Samantha in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. And um, it's Hi. me again. Yes, it is. Um, I know I called in the other day. It was before the whole, like, Bush getting Libby out of jail thing had came out. And I remember telling you all that the case was big. I This was one of the first cases that came out when I started to follow politics. And I was waiting for the day for him to go to jail. And Bush just comes and, like, says no clemency for no reason. Yeah, it's good to be. It's good to know people in power, isn't it? I mean, what the heck? Like, this was a big. He He wasn't. Seventy-five percent of people who do like obstruction of justice go to jail. What was so special about him? Like he's politically connected. If you know people who are in places of um, positions of power, they help you out. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. That sort of thing. It's ridiculous, and it's like it's really ironic because it was like the day before Fourth of July, like Independence Day, and like <laughs> oh, the justice system and stars and stripes and. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. Like, is anybody going to do anything about this? Can no, they? what like, can they do? He's the president. He's got the ability to pardon, and uh, he can use it at will. I Are personally you wish. No. Go ahead. You're you're serious. Nobody can do anything about. Absolutely this. not. Not a darn thing. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. Like, this isn't. And and the whole like years of public service um, that has nothing to do with anything. Like. His past, his, his employment, his public service, his family, anything. It has nothing to do with what happened. And the fact that he just, like, he uses that as, as a defense. What the heck? Well, in the hands of a better, in the hands of a better man, uh, the presidential pardon could be used to do some real good. For instance, I used to love what Harry Brown would say, uh, the libertarian presidential candidate in 1996 and 2000, in his book Why Government Doesn't Work. He has a very short chapter devoted to what he would do his first day in office, were he elected to president. And the very first thing he did, which of course really uh, warmed my heart, was that he said he would pardon every federal prisoner, because he's the president, so he can only pardon federal prisoners. He can't pardon state prisoners. I don't believe that's true. 
Um, as I understand it, it is only federal prisoners. Otherwise, Harry Brown would have pardoned everyone. I don't believe that's true. I mean, maybe he was mistaken. I would think I, Harry Brown would I have done a little the, more research than the, you. When the president um, pardons somebody, it's on a state or federal level. Well, why don't you look into that, Mark, and see if you can okay. figure that out for sure. But and, anyway, Harry Brown said he would pardon every federal nonviolent drug offender in federal prison, which is a huge amount of people, and that would be just an awesome thing uh, for a president yeah. to do. But usually they're used for political purposes, to reward political friends or help protect political friends that have come under fire, uh, which is exactly disgusting. what happened here. It's, like, really disgusting. And, like, the whole, like, drug thing, like, I don't understand that either. Like, I think if people want to use drugs, that's the problem. They're doing enough damage to themselves. It's just costing the taxpayer more money to keep them in jail. Well, and you're like, a you're sensible, logical person, Samantha, so you don't belong in political office. They don't think that way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then uh, I'm just so angry because I don't think he should have just gone off like that. I'm like, Bush, what the hell, man? Well, I sorry. Um, I really <laughs> okay. don't understand. I really don't understand. Well, like, you should understand can... now. I mean, it's easy to understand. Political connections are very important to these people, and they reward their friends and punish their enemies. That's what all politics is about, Samantha. Rewarding yeah. friends and punishing enemies. You reward your buddies who are in industries that you like, and you punish their competition, or you create new rules and regulations that prevent new competition from entering the marketplace in the first place. And then you reward, and then you take uh, some sweet, sweet government contracts, which are always paying far more than they should, and you hand them out to all your buddies in industry, and you don't give them to the other people. That's all. I mean, it's, it's really just a it's just a game that these people play, except it's with our money, and it's a sickness. Samantha, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. It wouldn't make sense, Mark, and I know you're busily looking into this, but it wouldn't make sense from a, a constitutional perspective in that, you know, if indeed the way the country was founded was based on federalism and these different states were supposed to have uh, differing laws and that sort of thing, and they were s- supposed to compete at some level, which is barely even existing today, but... In concept, at least, you know, the idea was that the states should set for themselves uh, their rules and and the crimes that many of these people are convicted for in the states. They're not they don't even have those crimes at the federal level. Most of the crimes that are at the federal level, like drug crimes, shouldn't exist at the federal level in the the first place. So I would say that, you know, it's just by design. It doesn't work that way. The governors can pardon people. Maybe right. It says the uh, pardon power for for, for federal crimes is granted to the president by the United States Constitution. Precisely. For federal crimes. I didn't believe that. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Dan in Indiana. You're on Free Talk Live, Dan. Yes. Um, I called in a, a long while ago about the ACLU Day of Action. And the ACLU what? I'm sorry. Say again. Day, day of Action. Okay. It Can you recap that? What is What was that? Yeah. It was on June 26, and it basically was the ACLU trying to get people organized to um, petition Congress to uh, restore habeas corpus was one of the main issues. Okay. And so closing in Guantanamo and all that. Got it. Um, so I just, you said call back if, with an update, so yeah. I'm going to. And so what happened is a bunch of people went up to um, Washington, and they had a a rally or a protest, and then uh, they also ask people to call in. And uh, results will there I can't quote any direct results because of the day of action, but I, I know that after the day of action, there was two Guantanamo detainees that were granted uh, the habeas corpus writ by a judge. Hmm. So, so at least that's two out of the, out of that heinous system. And also uh, the wiretapping 
uh, you, you may remember this, the, the Congress subpoenaed the White House about the wiretapping for documents relating to the illegal wiretapping. So, okay. And, and, you know, to, to which subpoenas Bush said no. So, so that's not a whole lot of um, progress, but it's, at least it's something. It's Congress doing something. It's very there's one more thing. Yeah. Go ahead. And there's one more thing I wanted to mention about the ACLU, that, and that's that they uncovered, and they uncovered a manual from the Bush administration uh, detailing tactics for suppressing protests at presidential appearances. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Uh, all the, uh, you know, the basically the uh, the instructions that the Secret Service and uh, exactly. and the local police have to follow in order to keep the protesters in their little free speech zones, so they don't yeah. come and disrupt their coronations and that sort yeah. of thing. Exactly. Uh, you know, their little speeches. So it's yeah, pretty sick. Thanks yeah, for the call, the man. We appreciate it, Dan. 800-259-9231. So uh, maybe they had some effect. Maybe it was just a coincidence that those two guys were uh, given their habeas corpus rights back in Guantanamo. I don't know. I don't really feel like calling federal bureaucrats is that effective. But at the same time, Downsize DC, our friends over at DownsizeDC.org seem to think it's making a difference. So maybe if it, maybe if they do get enough phone calls, maybe they do feel the pressure to some extent. Well, I think enough phone calls would make them feel the pressure. I just don't can't imagine what that number is. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Joe in California, listening on KSCO. Hello, Joe. Hello. Joe, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Yeah. Um, Bush is a piker compared to Clinton when it comes to pardons. Well, they're all bad. I think they're all scum, personally. Well, Bush hasn't had his lame duck period yet, so I don't know whether... He's uh, a lame duck right now. Well, um, no. Uh, how many, how many pardons did Clinton do at the end of his administration? Right, but Bush hasn't come to the end of his administration. That's what I'm explaining to you. Who cares anyway? They're all bad. I mean, they're all a bunch of power-mongering freaks, so I, so I appreciate you bringing that up, but I'm I'm in nobody's camp. I, I don't like George Bush. I don't like Bill Clinton. I don't like uh, Ronald Reagan. I don't like George Bush. I don't like uh, mm-hmm. Nixon. I mean, you name them, they're scum. Joe, your thoughts? They're not all the same. They're not all the same. Some are worse than others. Huh? Some are worse than others. You had uh, you had the plot by Osama bin Laden. That was all under Clinton's watch. Well, okay. Well, I okay. Clinton well, was in charge of Osama, Osama bin Laden. You're going to defend Bush versus Clinton. I'm going to be happy to go ahead and uh, and tear you up on this. Why the hell haven't we caught Osama bin Laden yet? Because it's. Uh... Because George Bush doesn't give a damn about Osama bin Laden. That's why. Because it's the military-industrial complex that wants to spend your tax-paying money. Look, these people are all power-hungry freaks. And I don't care if it's Clinton or if it's Bush. It's it's all of them. They're all bad. And the fact is, George Bush has increased the size of government far faster than Bill Clinton ever did. Bush is a far better Democrat than Clinton ever was. Why Why didn't, when Clinton had him in the crosshairs four different times... Because it's government, Joe, and government can't do anything right, regardless of who's in charge. More on the way. Thanks for the call. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. 
All the features on our site are totally free. Some of those features include updates. You get signed up for the updates, we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. We just got off the phone with uh, Joe out in California listening in KSCO territory. Right, and he's and, un- understandably confused. Um, right. Most radio shows out there are either left or right. You're either the blue team or the red team. Right, so it's easy to mount an attack when you think you know what you're going up against. Right. Well, you know, you could say whatever you want about the red team, but the blue team's worse. Right. And, you know, we just don't accept that. Look, I'm not. you're not going to tell me that your cancer is slightly better than the other cancer, and mm-hmm. I'm going to think that's okay. Look, these people are dirty, oh, my dirty can- politicians. Your cancer rots the brain, and my cancer rots the testicles. Now, we're going to argue over which one's worse. You know, <laughs> all of them, all of them use their power to reward their friends and punish their enemies. Yeah. And... I don't care whether it's Clinton or it's Bush. Now, personally, or whoever comes next. Personally, Unless it's Ron Paul. When I look at the uh, look at the presidencies that we've experienced, and and I think the presidencies are mostly defined by the things that occurred during them. Mm-hmm. Clinton had a pretty easy ride, and the economy grew under Clinton, and and he didn't go killing too many people. I'll take. He a, did drop bombs in Iraq. He did fight the Bosnia and Serbia. He, he put put soldiers at risk. I mean, he's he's not quite as warmongering, but warmongering enough. And the government didn't grow nearly as much under him. But he had a Republican Congress um, That's through true. most of his uh, his tenure. So but, he couldn't. But the Republicans have been saying for years that they just want uh, the the we're reason small why small government. Right, right. Oh, we're small government. Vote us in. Uh, we got a plan to make everything smaller. And the, the reason contract why, even right. The reason why we couldn't do it with uh, with Reagan or Bush was because of the Democrats that were in the House, so they took over in the mid-1990s, and so then it was supposed to be happy time for the Republicans. Mm-hmm. It was, supposed it was to be- happy time for the Republicans. They filled their pockets as much as they possibly could, and that's why um, the America voted out the Republicans in 2006. Right, but and what did they what? do? They voted in a bunch of Democrats. What, what, they, I'm sure difference. they didn't feel like they had any choices at all, but... Uh, right. You know, from as long as I can remember, my grandmother said, well, I'd like to have a mix of uh, Republicans and Democrats. That way they can't steal too much. And sure it's enough, true. it's the truth. You know, I feel like the the Clinton presidency was better than the Bush presidency. I feel like he was a better president, and I would much rather have him back, but... I'd much rather I'd a, much rather Washington D.C. get set on fire. By any stretch. I'd much rather the city burn to the ground. Absolutely, I want a smaller government, and uh, Clinton took very few steps in that direction. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Hey, you know what? Most people don't even care about politics. Uh, here's an interesting little study from Canada, of all places. I'm sure something similar has been done in the United States. This this just came across my desk, and I found it fascinating. Um, most Canadians, according to Reuters, know so little about their own country that they would flunk the basic test that new immigrants are required to take before becoming citizens, according to a poll released on Friday. Should we kick out the Americans that can't pass the, the citizenship, uh, citizenship test? test? I doubt I could pass it. Oh, I know I could. The Ipsos Reid survey showed that 60% of Canadians would fail the test. A similar poll in, done in 1997, so 10 years earlier, showed a failure rate of 45%. So that's a pretty significant change. 15% um, more Canadians don't, uh, they can't pass the test now. Actually, I guess it's 
not really 15% more. It's actually more than 15% more. But nonetheless, um, it's a significant more than half of Canadians can't pass their own citizenship test. Quote, Canadians appear to be losing knowledge when it comes to the most basic questions about Canadian history, politics, culture, and geography. They performed abysmally on some questions. Only 4%, for instance, knew the three requirements that a citizen had to meet before being able to vote, while only a third could correctly identify the number of provinces and territories. Just eight percent of Canadians, you'd think they would know this one, knew that Queen Elizabeth II is the head of state. Isn't that the equivalent to uh, Americans not knowing who the president is? Well, she may be the head of state, but she doesn't have any kind of real power over in Canada. So that's it's a bit of a trick question. But how many provinces there are? I mean, that's there aren't the that many of them. That's the equivalent of asking Americans how many states are there. The serv- and I'll tell you, if you ask <laughs> Americans that, you will get answers between 48 and 52. Across really? all the, I, I'm sure, <laughs> sure that, that you will get them. I've heard people do it. 52 states, I swear. The survey was carried out by the Dominion, or for the Dominion Institute, which aims to boost knowledge of Canadian history and values. It said all high school students should have to pass a special citizenship exam before they can graduate. Quote, it's frankly disheartening to see the lack of progress made by our group and the countless of other organizations working to improve the civic literacy of Canadians over the, fa- uh, the past ten years, said the co-founder of the Institute. And they did, it was a scientific survey, they did over a thousand adults. And uh, margin of error, 3.1 percentage points. Now, I don't think this is disheartening news. I think it's good news. It shows that people don't give a flip about your politics. They don't care about all your little government rules and regulations. It shows the fact that people just want to live their lives. They don't want to concern themselves with all this trivia, because that's all it is. It doesn't matter who the head of the state of Canada is to these people. What matters is getting food on the table for tomorrow night. What matters is getting the power bill paid. What matters is putting a little bit of money into a bank account so their kids can go off to college or so they can buy their next car or they can pay their next mortgage payment. That's what matters to people. Politics doesn't matter to people. Politics only matters to political junkies and those who are in search of power. That's pretty much what po- who politics matters to. And, of course, it matters to the news media because it gives them something to talk about. Well, it's not like they're even critical about it um, when they talk about politics. They, no. just, they just read the crap that's given right. to them. It just gives them something to fill airtime with mm-hmm. is what it does. Now, it gives us something to rail against because I'm personally apolitical. I wish, po- I wish politics would, di- would just disappear tomorrow. I wish it would just go away entirely. I have no use for it whatsoever. The only reason I'm involved is because I, co- I understand... I understand that it puts me in jeopardy, that these political things that go on in Washington, D.C., or up in Canada, or wherever your state house is, or your local government, these things put my freedom in jeopardy. That's why I'm involved. But most people, they don't want to get involved in all this. They just want to work and, and uh, get drunk and smoke some pot and have fun and have sex and you know uh, watch, a new mo- watch the new movie that came out. That's what people are concerned with in their lives. They're concerned with their kids and their dogs and their cats. Not politicians. Not the number of states or provinces or who's in charge or who the name of the... Most people don't even know who the vice president is. They absolutely don't. So I think this is good news. Thank goodness people are getting less interested in politics rather than more. Of course, you could say, well, Ian, you get on the air every night, try to get people active, try to get people activated... Yeah, I know, but I, I'm saying I'm happy because it shows that people don't care. 
I'm glad they don't care because people shouldn't care about politics. And it shows it, it should be a wake up call to the political types out there that you are useless to most people. Most but people could live without you just fine. If people aren't active in politics, then that's when the political um, the, the politicians come and take your freedoms away, little by little, bit by bit. Whether it's the ability that. to allow people to smoke in your bar, or whether it's the ability to decide whether or not you can put on your seatbelt, or whether it's the ability to decide what you want to do with your money right. in but the form the, of taxes. But the trick is, you can't get people interested in doing politics, but hopefully we can get them interested in destroying politics, because they don't like it. People don't like the government. They don't like politics. They would like to get rid of it, and that's what I want to activate people to do, is oppose politics in general. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live, you take control. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features for free live streams are there. Broadband version, dial-up version, two sizes will fit virtually any Internet connection for free. Freetalklive.com. Uh, so we'll continue the Canada theme here. I just happen to have a couple of Canadian-related stories. Uh, this one from Toronto. CTV reporting the police in Kitch- Kitchener, Kitchener, Ontario, said it's too early to speculate whether an officer who misplaced his full-duty kit bag, which contained a gun, will be reprimanded for the incident. And I just love political doublespeak. I just, it's just so funny to me, and it's kind of sad at the same time. Like the way these politicians talk, and and it's actually not necessarily even the politicians, but in many cases the spokespeople for police departments, uh, bureaucratic spokespeople, the way they talk, their their language, they pepper it with such meaningless vocabulary. Let's listen to this. It's too early to speculate on whether or not the officer will be reprimanded for an incident that he caused. Well, wait till you find out what the incident was here in a moment. But they can't even speculate on it, Mark. They're not even, it's too early to begin speculating. Speculating doesn't even mean anything. Speculating is just talking about something that might happen in the future, but they can't even begin to speculate. Anyway, quote, naturally, we're going to have a comprehensive review and look at our practices, policies, and procedures, uh, said Inspector Brian Larkin of the Waterloo Regional Police. Police continue to search for the undercover officer's bag that went missing during a drug investigation near Kitchener Collegiate Institute on Thursday. Larkin maintained this incident will act as a benchmark to ensure officers in the area are following a protocol up to national standards. Quote, we have obligation to our community to review our practices, how we deploy our plainclothes officers, and naturally those are things that we'll be doing to ensure this won't happen again and we can prevent this in the future. Here's what happened. The school was locked down on Thursday just after 1 o'clock in the afternoon in an effort to retrieve a full-duty kit bag, which contained a loaded gun, a duty belt, pepper spray, baton, police radio, and handcuffs. So... The cop left his stuff on school campus on accident, and they shut down the entire campus and and harassed and searched the students in order to try to retrieve, to retrieve the cop's stuff back. And guess what? They didn't. They didn't it. get it. 
Our biggest concern is we have a pistol with ammunition that has gone stolen and is in the community, he said. Larkin explained police requested to have the school locked down and the students evacuated. I'm by sure there's lots of pistols with ammunition <laughs> in the community, by the way. Yeah, but when this one's used, it'll look like the cop shot somebody, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, the students were evacuated by individual classes to ensure their safety and also to ensure they could effectively search them. Students were searched and questioned as they were let out of the school. A canine unit also conducted a grid search of the area. Quote, once the school was empty, we actually enlisted the assistance of the Canadian Border Service Agencies. They had four canines come up that specialize in firearm detection. And then we searched the school with the canines. You know, he almost sounds like he's got a bit of a, you know... Hard one over this, doesn't he? Sounds like he's kind of excited. Having fun? Yeah, they really like this sort of thing. Larkin explained the gun was in the bag as opposed to on the officer in order to maintain the anonymity for the officer. Two plainclothes police officers had set the bag down just outside of uh, apparently the school on Wednesday around noon and were alerted to some activity across the street. The officer had crossed the street and realized immediately he'd left the duffel bag behind on a grassy knoll and returned within 15 or 20 seconds, and the bag had been stolen already. Mm. Naturally, then, creating a very serious issue for them. Police are appealing to anybody who knows anything. They want them to come forward and uh, snitch on somebody. But I just found it interesting that a cop makes a mistake, leaves his bag somewhere. And they got to shut down the whole school. And they shut down the entire school and use that as an excuse to search every single kid and sniff dogs around the whole school campus? That, I mean, What? Maybe they didn't even lose a bag, Mark. Is that possible? Maybe they were just looking for an excuse to search people. Would would the police do something like that? They've certainly done things like that in America. They haven't used a, a flim, they don't bother using flimsy excuses in America. In America, they just come on in and kick in the doors and search people and bring dogs everywhere, and it's just a natural occurrence at uh, many American Apparently, high they didn't search very well because they didn't find the gun. No, they didn't. Well, they don't even know if it was a kid that took it. It's true. I think it was in the vicinity of the school, mm. um, and so they searched the school. Well, I guess that the, the school is the only place that they really can reasonably lock down. That's a good point. Um, and so this is something that happens all the, uh, more often than you think. K- children, young people in high schools, and I think in some middle schools, they are subject to search at any old time on the drop of a hat at the whim of the local police chief and the school uh, and the school principal. They bring in the cops, and people don't bat an eye at it these days. They think it's well, they're keeping the kids safe. We, we need to keep the kids safe, so uh, go in and search them. But no. Um, Schools are pretty safe places to begin with. There's really not that many incidents of uh, gun violence or anything like that. This is an excuse to catch people with drugs. In my opinion, that's what this was. I think they made it up, personally. I think that uh, that this this guy's uh, bag was never You're lost. conspiracy nut. I think the bag was never lost. I think they wanted an excuse to search the schools. Nah, I'm sure he lost his, uh, his bag. Well, whatever. The fact is, they searched every single kid, and I wonder if they found anything else. They don't report it in this story, but if you're searching every kid at uh, government high school, it's inevitable. Seems likely you're going to find something. You're going to find something they're not supposed to have. And finally, the final story from Canada here. This one ties back into immigration, which we've been discussing uh, quite a bit here recently. U.S. software behemoth Microsoft Corporation said Thursday it would force it be soon forced to open an office in Canada, lamenting tough immigration rules in the United States that make it difficult to hire foreign staff. Quote, it's about recruiting the best and brightest, and right now the majority of them are coming from overseas. You mean our immigrant laws that are so important in having legal immigrants are failing us? Right. Even the legal immigrants can't come here because... 
quote, the United States has immigration quotas and some limitations for bringing people in from outside the country. So it's like with the uh, the FCC and their licenses for mm-hmm. radio stations. If you apply at a certain period of time when they're not taking applications, sorry, you're SOL. You can't even apply for a radio station permit. Same thing with immigration. If they filled up their little quota for this year from the amount of people that can come from India, they'll sorry. still take your application fee, though. Oh, they will take your application fee for immigration. I'm I guess sure they, they, pro- would. they probably would. But sorry, you uh, you've been denied. You're going to have to wait until the door opens again, and then yeah. everyone else will rush in at the same time, and they'll arbitrarily decide who gets chosen to come in and who is chosen to be excluded. You know, um, and and the uh, the, the shut-the-borders-down anti-immigration types, they'll just say, well, Microsoft is bad for, for <laughs> moving across the border, but Microsoft just got sick of playing by these rules. Right. And Microsoft this, has business to do. This is what it's like when uh, kids, you know, um, you know, there's there's one kid that decides they're the boss, and they make a bunch of little rules, and then all the other kids are like, you know, I'm sick of playing with you. Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm going to Johnny's house. Microsoft just said, we're tired of it. We're moving across the border. And they went to Canada, and now they're, they're going to Canada, and, and they're going to hire people with uh, Canada's less restrictive immigration rules. That's exactly what they're going to do. And you mentioned earlier this week, Mark, when we had some of the xenophobes on the air, you pointed out to them that the United States economy is in tough shape right now. And you said it was shrinking, right? Is it, it shrinking? No, the, the economy is uh, growing just a little bit, but it would be shrinking would be if it more. wasn't for the illegal immigrants that have come here at this point. Well, here's one example of exactly how the economy, one of the ways the economy is going to shrink. Businesses like Microsoft are going to throw up their hands, their proverbial hands, into the air, and they're going to walk right out of this country, set up their offices in other countries where they can get business done without having to deal with the stupid government bureaucracies and their damn rules. A little bit more from the story. Quote, uh, the United States has these quotas that limits people from coming in outside of the country. That challenge is an opportunity for Canada in the sense that this will bring the top software developers to Canada. That's a quote from one of the Microsoft spokespeople. Mm. The development office will be... We really want those, and and the top software uh, developers will then move away from the United States in order to get the better pay at Microsoft. Do we want those taxpayers going across the border? Well... Too bad. We've made all these uh, restrictive immigration rules in order to keep people from coming to this country. Well, now, if they don't have a passport, then they won't be able to cross the border come January of 2008. (laughs) Then they'll be trapped here. 800-259-9231. So they're opening the office in Vancouver, which is three hours north from their headquarters in Redmond, Washington. Eventually, they're saying initially it'll be staffed by 300 recruits worldwide from around the world recruited to Canada. Eventually, it could grow to as many as 1,000 employees. Those are 1,000 people that could be generating uh, wealth here in America, but because of these stupid immigration laws, they won't be allowed to do that. More on the way. You take control. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Even in these remaining moments, you can take control of the airwaves. Toll free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line for you. That's 800 800- 259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features we give them away that we do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. You can help us spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide and as fast as possible. Get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp. 
like advertise, market, and promote. Amp.freetalklive.com. You get some perks, too, like access to the Amp-only call-in lines, the Amp-only chat room and forum. Some more details there for you. But basically, the idea is simple. You send in 3 bucks a month. We turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live, to getting the, sta- uh, the show on more radio stations, to getting more Internet listeners on board, and spreading liberty. It's a good thing. Amp.freetalklive.com. So we've got an update for you out of Washington, D.C. We've been following this case, and I hadn't seen an update in in quite a while. It seems like it's been at least a month or so since we've heard anything. But the D.C. Madam case, as you may recall, uh, there's a uh, lady by the name of, what was her name, Pamela? Or no, that was the name of her business. Her business was named Pamela something and Associates. Deborah Jean Palfrey. Deborah Palfrey was running a uh, call girl service, essentially. And she claims it's totally up and up. She claims it's just for massages. Yeah, they're just massaging people. Uh, There's no uh, hanky-panky going on. Only massaging in the right places. But uh, she's now facing some charges, and they had originally, she had this black book, right, with all kinds of phone numbers in it. Of her customers, right. of her clients in the she, Washington, D.C. area. She realized that uh, she was in a sort of a dangerous profession and that she needed a little leverage if ever anything bad went down. So she kept the telephone numbers of everybody. For years. Who, everybody who ever did business with her. Right. And why, a very, very smart move. Girl obviously knows what she's doing. And when it comes to a $250 an hour escort, yeah, there's probably a little bit of hanky-panky going on. And when it comes to that kind of money... There are probably some well-connected people that are engaging in business, shall we say. Some people in Washington, D.C. Who in Washington, D.C. would be able to afford $250 an hour? Hmm. Politicians? Business people and lots and lots of politicians and bureaucrats. Lobbyists. Lobbyists that might buy them for politicians. Yeah, that's a possibility, too. Of course, uh, lots of bureaucrats, federal bureaucrats are very well paid. Mm -hmm. Um, So there could be all kinds of interesting names attached to these numbers. So, of course, the judge put a uh, restraining order against this woman, a gag order, essentially saying that you could not, Ms. Palfrey, you cannot sell these names, you cannot distribute these names, you are essentially prevented from doing anything with the names. Mm -hmm. And she had managed before the entire order came down to transfer some of the information to ABC News, and they outed one of the guys uh, a few months ago. But now there's some good news, right, Mark? What's the latest? It says a judge in the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. has lifted the temporary restraining order preventing the so-called D.C. Madam, Deborah Jane Palfrey, from selling or distributing the list of phone records from her escort business. Excellent. The list in question is the defendant's personal property, wrote the judge, and contains only a log of telephone numbers. (laughs) Now, listen to this um, justification after here. I think it's It is neither seized by the government when it was searched. Um, Now, he said it's it's the defendant's personal property as though that's just, that's it. It's the defendant's personal property. But then it wasn't seized by the government when it was, um, when it searched the government, uh, the Mm -hmm. defendant's residence in California, nor listed in the indictment putting the defendant on notice as to which items of her property were subject to forfeiture. (laughs) Well, the government didn't write down your person that particular That's piece of property. That's what it's all about. When it comes to the government, if they don't cross all their T's and dot all their I's, then a, a more honest judge like this one's going to toss it right out. And good so, for him. Yep. The so, judge concluded the government had not satisfied the requirements of the forfeiture statute that would enable them to make the extraordinary step of freezing the property of an individual yet <laughs> not yet convicted of any crime and barring her from giving that property away. Awesome. That is the best news that come out of that case so far. Now, Ms. Palfrey, if she's smart, she's got people waiting in the wings already. She's got organizations uh, just uh, just waiting to pick this thing up, just waiting to snatch up this list. 
and run those numbers through some sort of a database scan and pull out the names that are attached to those numbers and then start asking questions. You know, if if these politicians have the hubris to tell us what we can do with our lives, mm-hmm. um, just the you know the, the the utter cojones to tell us that you can do this and you can't do that, and um, you know we're going to pass these laws, we're all going to vote on this crap and make you do what we want you to do. Don't you think they should follow those laws too? You would think so. And you know I don't want to see anybody get busted for prostitution. I yeah, feel like I think it should be legal. I feel like it should be legal. I really do. But. When it comes to politicians, I might feel a little better about them getting busted, especially Absolutely. nice high-up ones. Especially the ones that get up behind their podiums and start preaching about morality and the law and how you know they are such good people. They're good church-going Christians, and they would never do anything like this and vote for me and we'll make the America – we'll bring America to a more Christ-like state and blah, 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 all that crap. Well – I just relish it when these guys get caught with their pants down. I just, I love it when that happens. Democrats, Republicans, whoever they are, if they're out there passing laws against certain types of behavior, and then they get caught for that very, very behavior, that's just the sweetest of irony, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't seem to be too many of the politicians. It's it's usually those preachers that get caught. Seems to me. Well, that's because the politicians are, you know, fairly well insulated. They, they're, they're buddy buddy with the judge in a in a smaller town. Everybody knows everybody else. It's very rare those guys will get caught up in any, mm-hmm. in any mess. They don't use street walkers, so they don't get caught up in police stings. The only people that get busted for prostitution, for the most part, are street hookers and their johns, because it's easy for the cops to run stings in those cases. All they have to do is put a semi-attractive woman on the side of the street and some, you know, Daisy Dukes. And, uh, you know, whatever else she, they wear. I've always heard that the attractive ones are cops. I don't it's know. It's probably true. I mean, I've never picked up some woman walking along the side of the street. Right. It's probably true. But but that's it's an easy sting for them because then the horny guys, they come around, they look for some sex, they pick up the girl, they make a deal in the car, boom, you got a bust. As soon as that deal is made for the sex, uh, as soon as the offer is made, the price is mentioned then you've got a bust. But when it comes to the out-call girls and the in-call girls, they're almost invisible. They're completely off the radar. It's next to impossible to find out who they are or uh, find out that they they even exist because people are very, very careful with who they give those phone numbers to and that information to. They're very careful about referrals in the in-call and out-call world. And 85% of prostitution is done via that sort of um, method. Right. It's via the girls that you call up, and they either come to your house. I believe that's in – I don't know. I get confused as to which one is which. I think it's out call when they come to your house, and then it's in call where you go to them, wherever they might happen to be operating out of. And how do you find those people? Those are usually the uh, lingerie shops and those kind of things. Those would be Right, that sort of thing. How do you find those girls? Well, I, I would think that if the cops really wanted to bust the lingerie shops, it wouldn't be too darn difficult. Well, I mean, they've done that too, but uh, not that many stories the, of it. They're the, much more. They're much more likely to go after um, people that would, yeah, p- people that would, uh, you know, use street hookers. That's much more fun for them. They they want to get the Johns. They sure. want to list their names in the, in the paper. They want to ruin their lives. And uh, so again, most of the industry is completely invisible to most people and to the cops as well. So so that's why the politicians are relatively insulated, because the politicians aren't stupid enough, for, in most cases, to deal with street hookers. They've got the connections to get the in-call and out-call girls, and so they use them, and they're relatively safe. Now they've busted as Deborah Jane Palfrey, and the tables are about to get flipped. And I love it.
800-259-9231. It's just fun seeing these guys go down in flames. Of course, then they end up inevitably being replaced by another scumbag, because that's just the system. Power attracts the corrupt and those who are easily corruptible and those in search of power. And Which is why it's, uh, you know, to throw it back to what we were talking about earlier with the Canadians not knowing who the Queen, not knowing that the Queen of uh, Queen Elizabeth was in charge of their country, basically. Uh, people's just uh, mass ignorance when it comes to politics. I think that people sort of perk up and they enjoy it like I do when politicians get busted because they know they're scummy. They know they're just trashy people, and they don't want to get involved Makes in politics at all because who wants to mix it up with people like that? Who wants to uh, to even get close to those power seekers? I don't know. I have in front of me the uh, the INS's uh, current uh, USCIS test questions, and these things are really easy. I don't really? know how many Americans couldn't answer this. Give me a, give me a couple examples. What are the colors of the flag? Red, how white, many, blue. How many stars are there on the flag? Fifty. Uh, what color are the stars on our flag? White. What do the stars on the flag mean? Uh, the states. Okay, I'm going to skip up. Oh, who's the uh, first president of the United States? That's a trick question. It is absolutely a but trick question. But I bet question. I know the the answer is George Washington, but it's not the actual answer. John Hansen is the name of the first president of the United right, States. Right, there were something America. like 13 presidents before George Washington. Right, under the Articles, under the, of, Confederation. Under the Articles of Confederation, the guy who sat in sort of the Senate uh, was the president of the United States of America. Right. And most people don't know that, and the answer to the question I looked it up was George Washington. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just easy stuff. What is the Constitution? Can the Constitution be changed? What is the judiciary branch of the government? What is the uh, Bill of Rights? I am very curious, though. Who was the president um, that freed the slaves? Why did the pilgrims come to America? So I am curious, though, as to, you know, what most Americans would have to say to those questions. Maybe someone will do that study and we'll find out about it. Anyway, we're back tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.